Great to have everyone here today. We're in a series called Soul Training. And what we're speaking of is we're trying to talk to this issue of transformation. What does it mean to be transformed? How can we be transformed? What's the process? How does it all work? How can we experience this remarkable, supernatural change in our life that enables us to be salt and light to our world. Now, Jesus already told us that's what you are. The question is, how do I allow myself to be who I really am? How can I get to that place where I actually am who I am? And that can be an incredibly easy and terribly difficult thing at the same time. So what we want to get into today is this issue that Paul talks about in Romans 12 about the simple fact that we are continually being transformed as we yield to the directives of God in our life. So let's pray right now and ask God to guide our hearts and minds. Father, we thank you for this chance today to spend a little bit of time in your marvelous word. And we would ask that you might enable us to understand, as only you can, the truths that are here that are eternal and supernatural. Lord, we desperately need your help to grasp them and to place them in our minds and in our hearts so that we can be what you've made us to be. Guide that process today as we spend some time together, short though it is. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Eric and Uh, Bill came and shared with us a bit about this issue of learning to listen to God and then responding to him. And as we respond to his will and begin to allow the fruit of the spirit to come through us, we experience transformation. That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit, by the way. It's a result of allowing ourselves to abide in Christ and allowing him to work through us as we walk with his spirit. All these terms that are so Hard to grab a hold of. They're like nailing, nailing jello to the wall. You know, you're like, I think I got it. And then it's like, ah, it's, it's gone. Falls off. How does this work? It's a continual process that God is trying desperately to teach us. Now, Bill talked about the fact that before he could listen, God had to place him in the bed, literally, unable to do anything, but either listen to the voices of bitterness and calamity and evil, or listen to the voice of God. And he chose to begin for the first time in his life to listen to God's voice and say, God, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what's going on, but I can't go anywhere. So I'm going to listen. And God began to speak to him. And in the process of speaking and listening, he began to experience transformation in his heart, in his mind, in his soul. Um, Paul says it like this. Romans 12, 2 is the passage. And I want us to read that together because we really need to place this one in our hearts and in our minds and get a handle on it. So it's Romans 12, verse 2. You ready? Yeah, let's read it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person By changing the way you think, then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will is. 
There's a lot of people sitting next to you and saying, all right, they're living life at this breakneck speed. They get up early in the morning, they go to bed late at night, and they're constantly working things out. And ordinarily, their life seems to be somewhat together, but inside, they're having a crisis. And some of the reasons they're going at breakneck speed is because they're afraid if they slow down, they finally stop and begin to think about it, everything will fall apart. But as long as they keep running, as long as they keep working at it, then it'll be okay. The directive of God is that we're not to be running at this breakneck speed like a plane that's on autopilot, but the systems are beginning to no longer work correctly, and we're getting ready to crash and burn. But instead, we're to live at a pace that he directs as he transforms us by his supernatural power. You see, for many of us, there's something wrong inside of us. In fact, the truth is for all of us, there's something wrong inside. We have this sin nature that is desiring and pulling us away from God's directive and God's will. And then we have the very spirit of God and the mind of Christ within us is trying to speak to us and direct us in a completely different direction. And the choices we talked about last week of life is about, first of all, in relationship to our will, will we follow the spirit of God or the flesh, our sinful nature, the desire to go in a completely different direction? I wonder how many of you here would like to have your thoughts thrown up on our screens here. Yeah, exactly. Say, hey, here's yesterday, boop, and you go, oh, no, I forgot about that. And we found ourselves caught up in a cycle of thoughts that were negative or bitter or sexual in nature, lustful, demeaning, breaking others down, putting ourselves and tearing ourselves apart. You see, we're caught up in this cycle of thinking and thought that is embarrassing sometimes if others saw it, but demeaning to ourselves. Because when we get through it, we find ourselves saying these simple words. Why did I yeah, think that way? Why did I allow myself to, to stay in that spot, to, to run down that path? And today what I want to talk about is how we can begin to choose a, a different path and seek God's direction for our response and our attitudes towards others and even towards ourselves. And how God sets us up to try and help us to understand this, how he can change our thoughts, can change our mind, can make it up anew, and allow us to experience what he always wanted us to experience as a result of listening to and following the path that his word gives us. All right? Now, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a prime for this. My, my life prior to becoming to know Christ was incredibly... Um, Carnal. I guess that's a good word for it. Incredibly carnal. And after I became a Christian, this new way, I committed myself, my, my will to God, and, and God was trying to teach me this new way. And it was, it was terribly difficult because my entire life, that 21 years up to that point in time, had been just completely the opposite. So saying, well, Lord, how am I to think now? And there were ups and downs, and, and I did really well in some areas, and I did very poorly in others, and continued to mature and to grow and mature and to grow. And until at this point in time, the majority of my life is spent in a, in a positive, uh, God-honoring manner. 
Not all of it. The majority of my life, however, is. And it's exciting because it's not about Lee's will. It's about what has happened. It's about the change that took place and the transformation that happens. Uh, that when a seed becomes a flower, you don't say, wow, wasn't that seed great? What, what an incredible seed. We say, look at that flower. Look what God has done. And that's what's interesting. As we respond to God, we become like that flower. We become a seed that God transforms and turns into a flower. And we begin to give out a sweet smell to people around us in our normal our normal process is that. Now, the, the negative process is when God got to fertilize a lot, and then we stink for a while. You know? yeah, we get that. And I hope you get that picture, because I really think that's the picture of transformation and change and what goes on. And so sometimes when people are stinking around us, they're just getting fertilized. <laughs> yeah? Think of it that way. <laughs> Next time you have a friend that falls into that, oh, just being fertilized. Walk away. They'll look at you like, what are you talking about? And you'll have a chance to perhaps share a little bit there. Uh, today, what I want to talk about is how our character and, and even our destiny is ultimately determined by the way that we choose to think. By the way that we choose to think. Your character, even your destiny, is determined by the way that you choose to think. God's given us this remarkable, remarkable mind. It's incredibly powerful. And as we appreciate how powerful it is, then we'll find ourselves being much more responsible in relationship to what we put into it and what we allow to come out of it. And that's why uh, Genesis 127 starts us off with, he says, you were made in the what of God? Yeah, the image of God. So each of you have within you the, the image of God. And one of those prime aspects of, of image or the ability to imagine, the ability to comprehend the ability to reason, to love, to care. All these things make up what we would call the image of God. You have the ability, as nobody else, no other creature has on this earth, to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. You can imagine who God is, and you can imagine who you are called to be. It's, it's your opportunity that God gives you. And it's in this, this soul area in which we have the ability to reason and to embrace belief and love and find meaning in relationships and choose our thoughts that God brings about, chose to bring about this transformation process. He gave you this remarkable mind, this incredible brain that has so many awesome things that's put together, but it's just a tool. I want you to get that. You think you are your mind and you're not. Your mind is something God has given you to use to comprehend who he is and who you are so you can begin to live that out. And you will lose your mind. That sounds bad, doesn't it? But you will lose your mind when you die and you go to be with the Lord in the spirit. You know, if you don't guess that, just go open a few coffins, look inside, see how good the brains look. Those that have any that weren't taken out as a result of a mortician. You will not have a brain as we know. This is a tool that God has given us to think and to reason, to appreciate, to value, to care. He said, I've given you this tool. Use it correctly. Use it correctly. And that's God's cry to us. Uh, incredible. Just a simple mystery of the brain. You have over 100 billion uh, neurons in your, in your brain. 100 billion neurons. And each neuron has about 1,000 connectors. Now we've gone beyond my imagination. I don't know about yours. I'm like, uh, hello? Really? And each of the connectors are, are able to bring about some 200 calculations per second. Now you have a picture of what your mind is right there. I'm going, man. 
God has given you this amazing, amazing mind so that you can experience the transformation of God's spirit into your life. That's why he gave it to you. And that's why he speaks to us through the word. Your inner man is the command center for your entire life. And the inner man is spoken to through your mind. So Proverbs says, as water reflects your face, look in there and you see your face, so your mind shows what kind of person you really are. And I would add, what kind of person you will become. What kind of person you will become. See, the decisions you make will determine what you do with your time, how you spend your money, who you're going to spend time with, and ultimately where you will spend eternity. All these things are going to be determined by your mind. It's an amazing thing. Uh, what's the number one cause of disability in the United States? Anybody know? Number one cause of disability. Some people got it. Depression. Depression. Number one cause in the United States, disability. Depression. Billions of dollars are spent on a variety of things like Prozac, uh, a number of other specialized medications that help people to deal with the issue of depression. And the purpose of these medications in most cases are to try to bring us back to the place where we can get, begin to rewire, restructure, and begin to think appropriately again so that we don't have to experience this issue of depression. Sometimes our tool that God has given us simply is not functioning as it's supposed to. There's some, there's some uh, lack within it. It's just not clicking here or clicking there. And so we come up with some medications that help us to allow it to function more appropriately. And those are good things for us to have. Those are great things for us to have that God has provided through various uh, medical professionals helping you to be able to deal with life as he wants you to be able to deal with life. Your mind's an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, Viktor Frankl, uh, he was a man who was captured and found himself in one of the uh, German prisons, concentration camp in this case, and he said this quote. He said, you can take away my freedom, but you cannot take away from me my right to choose how I respond to what you've done to me. How I respond to what you've done to me. You see, it's not an overstatement to say, I am what I think. Now, you don't want to carry it too far. You can misunderstand that statement. But it's not an overstatement to say, I am what or how I think. And I will become how I think. Your thought life is a reflection of who you are. Your words, your actions, your outward expressions are mirrors of your thoughts and your character. So as water reflects your face, so your mind shows what kind of person you are. I am what I think. And secondly, my thoughts tend to determine how my life will turn out or, as I put it here, I am moved by what I think. I am moved by what I think. My thoughts direct my actions. And to think about that for a second. My thoughts direct my actions. Do you know someone who's had an affair, broken off a relationship with someone that they love deeply, and suddenly it falls apart and they find themselves in another relationship? How many know people that has happened to? 
Most of us know somebody that that's taken place in, and we say, well, how did that happen? It happened, and usually people say, this happened so quickly. And I would say, you're wrong about that. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It happened over a period of time. An erosion of commitments to certain values and thought processes and a new commitment to a different series of thoughts and processes in relationship to what they were going to do. I still remember one pastor who I was uh, acquainted with, and he had uh, in his desk, I was sharing with a friend of mine, one of the elders who were involved in that, and he had chosen to, to leave his wife and to leave the church and to go with a younger secretary in this case. And he had in his drawer a piece of paper out. He had pros and cons, pros of having this relationship, cons of having this relationship, pros of staying where I am, cons of staying where I am. I thought, picture, thoughts determine your actions. He was a very, very bright man. God had given him a wonderful mind. He misused it. He used that tool for something that God never intended for him to do, and he moved away from the truth that God had said and began to rationalize, rational lies, eh? what he was going to do. Because that's exactly what all of us do. And we laugh about it because we all do it, don't we? Yes, we do. And when you fall into that pattern, you've fallen out of the pattern that God desires for you to follow. And it is so easy to slip into and allowing it to take over. If you want to know a little bit more about, remember we did a series called Guardrails. We said God has set up guardrails for you and they're not meant for you to get over to and look over the side and see how things are going. That's not the point. They're meant to make you aware there's danger on both sides. Don't go over there. Stay down the center of the road that God has given you the path that God has laid out for you. Now, on the positive side, so many wondrous, glorious things have happened because people have chosen to respond to the imagination side of our minds, the imaginative side, the the transforming side, the wonderful side. Someone once said concerning Walt Disney, I wish he had gotten to see Disney World and the response of one of the executives, oh, but he did, that's why it's here. Because he began to see something that could be, and he began to set up a destiny that came about as a result of him putting into play what God wanted. Be careful. Be careful how you think, because your thoughts govern your actions. Be careful what you think, because your thoughts, Proverbs 4.23, run your life. Your thoughts run your life. Jesus said, out of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Hatred, ugliness, anger, bitterness, or joy, peace, power, love, caring. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. In other words, when you hear people speak angry words, it's a reflection of an angry heart. Someone speaks about themselves all the time. It's a window into their soul that says they struggle with the area of pride or lack of self-esteem. They may say, well, I, I'm just a homemaker. I'm just a mother. I'm the CEO of a very large company, very successful company. 
you hear what's being said, what's going on there, what, what we're talking. It's always interesting. My wife is a really good listener. She tends to listen to people and understands what's going on and kind of works with them. And she'll walk away from people and she'll say, you know, it's really interesting. I know so much about them and they know nothing about me. Nothing. A reflection of how we think and what we recognize as what's important or what's not. My thoughts determine what my life will become. It was Isaiah the prophet who said, give up your crooked ways and your evil thoughts. Return to the Lord and he will be merciful and forgive your sins. The Lord says, and this is one of the most misquoted passages I know in the Bible. The Lord says, my thoughts and my ways are not like yours. People say, yep, we can never think like God. That is not what he is saying. What he is saying is, I will never think like you. I am not evil and I am not crooked. I don't think in those ways. I think in completely different ways. And so we came up with, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I would have said, WWJT, what would Jesus think? You know, I like that. But what would Jesus think? Well, I can figure that out because I can read his words, find out, well, that's what he thought. And so then I, who have the mind of Christ, the scripture does tell you that, by the way, you have the mind of Christ, have the ability and the opportunity to respond to God by listening to his word and allowing it to transform your thought process, allowing it to become that path that I'm going to travel down. You learn how God thinks and you follow the pattern. There's a direct corollary. There's a link between internalizing truth and having my life changed from the inside out and the result being a successful and wise life. We need to drive God's truth consistently into our hearts and our minds. Here's the picture. Okay, you ready? Everybody close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. My thoughts are the road, picture road, that I choose to build. My actions are the way that I choose to drive on it. My actions, you can be sure, will follow the road that I built in my thought life. Okay, you can open your eyes. You see, your thoughts don't determine your actions, but they do determine where you'll end up. They don't determine your actions, but they do determine where you will end up. That's why Jesus said the greatest commandment in all of life is simply this. And we sang it a minute ago. You shall what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, we've got to... Allow him to transform our mind. It's interesting that when Moses was meeting with his protege, Joshua, and giving him a final statement, he says, Joshua, here's the big statement I want to give you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on both day and night. And you're to be very, very careful to do all that is written in it. And if you do this, if you do this, then you will have success and you will be wise. No if, no ands, no buts. Your thoughts don't determine your actions, but they do determine where you'll end up. So how do you make up your mind? Some of you women know how to make up your face, right? You can look really good sometimes. You go and look at it and go, ay, ay, ay. But by the time you're done, it's like, wow. <laughs> Transformation, baby, you know? Wow. Your husband looks at you and he said, what went in isn't the same thing that came out. 
what I say. Uh, the guys go in and come out same way. No change. <laughs> you know, few more hairs, few less hairs. That's all. That's all we get. You know. Uh, how do you make up your mind? You know, I go, okay, how do I make up my mind? And God says, the way you make up your mind is simple. You meditate, you meditate on the words of God. The change in my life that happened as early as a Christian began to bring about these new roads and paths in my mind. I began to memorize the word of God, and then I listened to it in every situation. So one of the first passages I memorized was Joshua 1.8. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth. You'll meditate it day and night, you know. Well, oh, okay. And then it was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. So whenever you get in a situation, you go, Lord, how are you going to guide my thoughts? How are you going to lead me in this situation? How can I be a person who thinks the way that you think? God says, know my word, and you'll know how I think. And then you can choose to be transformed, to be changed, or to continue on the way you were going. And sometimes you'll choose to be fertilized because you need to be. And God brings that into our life and we go, I hate stinking fertilizer. God said, but if you're going to grow, if you're going to grow, that's what you need. And so I say, okay, Lord, whatever it is that you want. Now, the way we make up our mind, if we want to make up our face, we go into the bathroom, we check out the mirror, we get under the good lights, we get all the necessary products to make ourselves look better. But God says the way you make up your mind with him is you go into a place called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies. In fact, the scripture tells us in Hebrews that now you have the opportunity to be just like the high priest. You, unlike all of Israel prior to this time, have the opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies. God's soul training gym. He says, you can come in and you can work out and you can be changed. You can walk out of there looking like Eric, okay? You ought to see some earlier pictures of Eric and then you'd know exactly what I'm saying. Eric, he didn't look like me, but he was on the chubby side, okay? He did not have the body God wanted him to have. He had much more of it, okay? (laughs) I was telling him we were sitting at the office and I said, man, I need to lose about 10 pounds. He looked at me and he said, I don't have that problem anymore. I'm going, keep it up. Keep it up. He said it nicely. He didn't mean anything by it. You know, but I totally understood him. His issue at this point was what mine was, to be truthful, when I was his age as well. My problem was I couldn't put on weight. I was so busy working out, playing sports, doing this. Now I still play sports. I play golf. (laughs) Doesn't do much for the physique. (laughs) Uh, if I want to lose weight, if I want to get in better shape, I have to go where? Yeah, to the gym. Or at least I have to set a certain set of priorities in relationship to, to exercise and you know ride a bike, do the things I need to do. Guess what? I haven't chosen to do that. I did sign up with 24-hour, though, <laughs> a month ago. Mary's been there. You're getting the idea. God wants to transform your life, but if you are not allowing yourself to think on his truth and allow that to change you, you won't be changed. It will not happen. I can guarantee it. You can say, I asked Jesus to come into my life, and I prayed, and he came in, and he forgave me, and he cleansed me, and I said, absolutely. I said, and then what happened? Nothing. 
Hmm. Why not? Because you didn't pay attention to his word. You didn't listen to what he said you were supposed to be listening to. You didn't think the way that he told you to think. You refused to be light and salt. You chose instead to be saved. God desires to transform you, to turn you into the person that he made you to be, for you to experience all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the result of following the path that God has set for you and thinking the thoughts that God wants you to think. As you do that, that is what you're experiencing. Your mind is this sacred place of worship where God wants to meet with you. He meets with you in your mind. And as you set and you close your eyes and you listen, he will speak to you through his word and he will change your life if you're willing to be changed. Let's watch this clip that reminds us of the new transformation that he wants to bring about. Mind is the holy of holies now. It's the place where God wants to meet with you. If we're, if we're transformed and changed as a result of how we think, if God's intention and desires is for us to comprehend truth and then to be transformed by it, then it shouldn't surprise you that there's a world system and a world leader who desires to take away your mind. See, the first thing that Satan and this world system and all that we're dealing with tries to do is take away your ability to use your mind that God has given you. They want to mess with it. John puts it this way. Don't love the world's ways or system. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself and wanting to appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. There's a war going on and it's far more than forces of good and evil. It's an incredibly powerful war guided by a spiritual being that opposes God's directive and God's desire and opposes anyone who is aligned with God, all of you here, and desires to put you in your place. This satanic element, the Bible tells us we need to resist. And if we do, they will flee. We need to resist the world system. We need to resist Satan. We need to resist our own sinful nature. And if we do that, then they will Flee, because the number one conquest that this world wants is your mind, the way in which you think. We look at the world around us. I, I, I get with people, and we go up to various mountains, and we go up and we see this glorious mountain and a great, beautiful sunrise. And they look at that and go, that's incredible. It just makes you want to, to worship. And I go, worship what? The creation or yourself. We fall into this false mindset of not understanding where to worship the creator 
not that which he has created. And we fall into areas like uh, materialism where we begin to get so caught up in gathering things and having bigger and greater things around us when you only need one blanket and one bed and one roof. And we begin to worship these things that we have and we even try to show them to everybody else. Look what I've got. Isn't this wonderful? How odd when the scripture teaches us clearly that God has provided you with all these things to enjoy, but not to impress. To give, but not to hold on to. Or we get into eroticism in our culture where sex becomes this horrible pleasure thing that it's just all about us and and gaining some kind of special endorphins or it's like what happened to this wonderful intimate thing that God gave us to enjoy with our spouses and we begin to slip and fall and wander and destroy ourselves. You see, the world system has taken you away from the directive that God has. It all starts with our thought patterns. When we lose an understanding of what it is that God wants you, think. Think. Instead, it gets twisted and our thought lives get defeated and we get bombarded by these images, commercials and TVs. And some of you say, oh, oh Pastor Lee, you know, just commercials, just commercials. Do you realize that in 2003, for a 30-second commercial for the Super Bowl, they've spent $2.2 million for a 30-second commercial. In 2013, they will spend $3.8 million for 30 seconds. 3.8, 30 seconds. That's a waste of money, isn't it? Why would anybody spend $4 million to take 30 seconds for me to look at something for 30 seconds? They're either an idiot or a genius. They've already sold out all the commercial. They're not idiots. They want your mind. The world system wants your mind. They understand how you think and desire to get you to respond to them. You become so well-adjusted to the culture, you fit into it without even thinking. And God says, instead, we're to fix our attention on God and allow Him to change us from the inside out. And we'll recognize what He wants from us, and we'll be able to respond to it on a regular basis. Because your minds and your thoughts are not only a target for advertisement, they're a target for a spiritual battle to destroy you and all that you want in your life, and all that you've built up in your life. Gone like that. Pastor, I talked about great church, wonderful things going on. We experienced it here over and over. Boom, like that. It's all gone. You know what, you know what, what he left behind? You know what his legacy is? You just heard it. Well, that's not fair. He spent 20 years. His life. Pouring his life into people. But his legacy now was that. And that's how it works. It's destroyed in a moment. And God said, I desire to create and help you to understand, but follow the truth that I've laid out. The stakes are a lot higher than just, you know, going to a movie or buying a soft drink or getting Doritos as opposed to Lay's. You know, whatever. To them it's important. 
But the reality is the stakes of life are far, far greater than that. The greatest battles of life are being fought in your mind in these silent arenas where we meet with God, with ourselves, and with others, and we begin to tear down that which he desires to build up. Some of you struggle every time you close your eyes. You're haunted with thoughts in your past, what you did and what you didn't do. And it destroys you. And you're thinking to yourself, will I ever be free from this? Will I ever be free from this? And the wonderful thing as we get ready to share in communion today is just that we have this wonderful opportunity by God where he says, I can cleanse your mind. I can cleanse you from sin. I can cleanse you from the guilt of your sin. I can make you new if you'll respond to me and allow me to do it. I can cause that memory to be a fleeting memory, not a constant ache. I can cause you to remember that so that it can be an impediment, something that stops you from falling again into that pattern. If you allow me to, I can do that. And as we share in communion, that's what he's saying. He's saying, here's a remarkable supernatural power that's yours. I can cleanse your mind because I made it. And I can renew you into a brand new creation. And all I ask is that you give me everything you have, everything you own, and everything you are. Cheap. Because that's what God has. I I always find this funny. People say, well, it's free. Salvation is free. I said, yeah, but everything else costs your life. It's everything. If you want transformation, it's everything. 100%. Or you will not experience the change. God says, come to me 100%. Listen to my word 100%. Don't play games. If you play games, you will lose the game every single time. And so that's the cry of God. When we take communion, we're declaring to him, God, I give you my mind, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I give you all I am. Change me. Transform me. Let me be me who you created to be. Let me know who that is and like experience that wonderful, wonderful thing in my life. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, he says, if your minds are ruled by our desires, then you will die. But if your mind is ruled by the Spirit, then you will have life and peace. Because our mind is the beachhead in battling evil. We're tempted by our own desires. We're dragged away and enticed. They trap us. And the desires make us sin. And then sin is finished. It leaves us dead. And it all starts with what? Our thoughts. It all starts with your thoughts. That's where it begins. And that's where it ends, eventually, with a, why did I do that? Because you allowed your thoughts to take you down a road, and you're not to copy the behavior and customs of this world, but you're to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and then you'll know what God wants you to do, and you know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. Present your bodies to God. It's an act of worship. 
My body's a vehicle through which my thoughts interface and which I interact with the world that lives around me. So I give God my mind and I say, rewire how I think. That's what we're saying today when we go into communion. We're saying, Father, right now I come to you because I have failed in so many ways and I want to be changed and parts of me have been, but I need more to be changed. And God says, that's great. Come in. Let me cleanse you again. Start anew. And we'll move you to the next spot that I need to move you to. Give me your mind. Give me your heart. Give me your soul. Give me all you are. And then I will help you to become all you were meant to be. That's the cry of God. We can meet with God, and God can change your mind. All right? I'm going to ask my elders. I have a couple I've talked to that I asked to come and take these set here, set over here. We're going to ask Justin to come down and lead us in some music. I need an elder to take the back table. Eric, why don't you get that with Kathy, would you? That'd be great. What we're going to do now is simple. We're going to come down here and we're going to take a bit of juice. We're going to take a bit of bread. We're going to take it back to our table. As you come down, I want you to speak in your mind. I don't want anybody saying it out loud because this is in your mind. You're talking to God with your mind. And I simply want you to say these simple, simple words. God, change my mind. Okay, that's it. Say it to him. God, change my mind. Can you do that? Okay, so we're all going to stand. Everybody stand. I'm going to go here to the side, so you can go to the middle and go to the back. Take this table here, hit, grab a hold of this juice, grab a bit of bread, take it back to your seat with you, and we'll share together. Get ready to share together in this wonderfully transforming time that we refer to as communion. It's an opportunity to commune with God, to interact with the Holy One, the creator of the universe, the creator of our life, the one who understands all, comprehends all, and desires to transform us. How do you grow a flower? You can't. You can't grow a flower. Flowers are grown as a result of the marvelous power of God. You put a seed in, you water it, you do what's necessary to allow it to, to respond. It gets the sunlight upon it, and it grows up. And you see this marvelous creation of God. And God desires you the same thing in your life. You cannot transform yourself. Only God can do it. And it's the result of listening and learning and yielding to his word in your life. And as you do that, then you'll experience transformation. It won't be willpower. It'll be transformation. Jesus told us as we remember him and what he has done, he will remember us and change our lives. So that special night when he had his last opportunity to interact with the apostles, he took a bit of bread and he broke it. And he took a piece off and he said, this bread represents my body, which is given for you. And so today I encourage you to eat this bread of life. Lord, as we eat your flesh, recognizing who you were, all you've done, and all you've provided, we asked 
that you would change us from the inside out as we eat it and it goes into our bodies. Now, allow it by your power to change our hearts and to begin to renew our mind. Thank you, Lord. You should do that even now. And after he'd given the bread, then he turned and he took a bottle and he began to pour into a cup a bit of juice. And he says, this juice represents my blood which will be poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink of this. Lord, we drink of your blood because it gives us life and hope and meaning and it cleanses us from the guilt of our sin and provides us with a new opportunity to walk again new with you. And today we come to you in that newness and we say, Oh, Father, change us completely. Cleanse us. Make us whole again. Show us how to walk with you. Guide us down the path that you provided. Allow us a privilege of experiencing transformation. And we ask this in Jesus' wondrous and holy name. Amen. I'm going to close with a final song Justin's going to lead us in. And then he'll close us up together. And I encourage you as you sing to think, God, renew my mind.